Hey. Hi. <laughs> oh, there you are. I was just leaving you a voice text. Okay, good. Do I have to do anything else or I just do this? That's it. That's all you got to do. Oh, shit. That's happening. I'm so excited. This is basically like a, a big victory for me in the world of tech that I was able to get out of Safari, go to Chrome, and, and somehow be talking to you. So I'm just giving myself a gold star before we get started. Okay. Congratulations. You won. You won the podcast. I won. I won it. I won it. I won everything. We have a winner. Kate is oh the God. winner. You've just... won a trip back to the States. Woo! What? No. Yeah. I refuse. <laughs> Welcome to the Australia Improvisational Podcast. Today we are very lucky to have with us from the other side of the world one of our old friends who's improvised with myself, Burn Manhattan, Centralia in the past, uh, has a whole huge body of work from 13 Reasons Why to Fargo to the recent Umbrella Academy. One of the best actors on the planet and one of my closest friends, Kate Walsh. And now, direct from New York City, an island off the coast of America, it's the Centralia Improvisational Podcast. <laughs> you want to stay here? How are you? You're uh, in Australia. I am. I am in a COVID-free, I'm in a world of where there's no COVID and people have normal lives. It's like an alternate universe. It's, it's pretty epic. Yeah. It's, uh, I can't even comprehend of it. I know. People that have come here and I have a friend who is a writer and director and who quarantined, came from LA, quarantined in Sydney and then is making a, a film now in in Melbourne and he, he said when he first walked out of the hotel room he was very nervous like very freaked out because people weren't wearing masks and you know and it's I think it's hard it's a, such a strange thing it's like it's like life during wartime you know and or yeah. this weird PTSD that people experience coming over but at any rate Hi, friend. Hi. It's been a <laughs> while. We haven't talked, except for a few times so in a long time. Um, yeah. Thank you for doing this. Too long. I miss you. I miss you. I miss you, too. <laughs> I was just thinking about the time we saw L LCD sound system. That was like two One years ago. One of the best ago. nights ever. Oh, my God. It was so was it good. Was two or three years ago? Maybe. Yeah. Oh, my God. Years. Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't have that anymore in this in in New York. That's for sure. Good for you for being in Australia, and I miss you too. And you just did a play. I did, I did, which was also like I think literally the only play in the world that was happening. Oh my god! Um, yeah, actually, literally the only play in the world, and we were so fortunate. Um, it had come about because I had done a reading there was a thing in new york called play purview 
um, that they started during COVID. And a friend of mine, Maria Dizia, who's a great New York actress, um, was doing one. And I was like, I want to do one. And so they sent me this play called The Other Place by Char White. And they had done this on Broadway with Laurie Metcalf and um, Joe Mantello had directed it in 2014. And Play Purview is, is to raise money for out-of-work actors and people that are working in the theater that are out of work. And it was basically a Zoom play. And um, so we you know, did one tech rehearsal and then did it. So it was basically kind of a cold reading, which is really cool and fun, except you sort of want to, you know, apologize to the playwright. Like, sorry, you're going to see your play on Zoom and cold. But it was such an incredible role. And I thought, God, I'd love to play this. I'd love to do it. And of course, you know, there's a global pandemic and theaters shut down everywhere. And I had FaceTimed afterwards with the playwright with Shar, who was living upstate. And still writing for, he was writing for a television show, so they were still, like, you know, writing remotely. And and I said, here, I was just in Perth, I'm in Western Australia, and things were slowly starting to open up here. They, they sort of eradicated COVID in about three months because everyone wore masks, they shut down borders, and they just locked it up. And, and so that's why we're able to have basically normal life here. Um, wow. Yeah, like people just unequivocally did what they were told to do, mm. and, uh, and 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 particularly the guy who's the premier of this state, which is like our governor Mark McGowan. He just was very fastidious. He had like he had closed towns. There was no you couldn't go from town to town. There were roadblocks unless you had like unless you were like in an industry that was deemed you know emergent. So they that's how they eradicated it. Um, but at any rate, uh, when things started to slowly open up, meaning you could have groups of 10 people gather, I was meeting people and meeting this, um, one of the agencies is, is, one of the agencies is called Screen West, which does, um, you know, filmmaking and grants for, you know, writers and filmmakers. And so I had to ask Shar White if he wanted to maybe adapt the play into a film and he was like no because there's certain pieces in there that he just thought were purely theatrical and like got it because i was thinking who knows when theater is going to open up but then it opened up and we were able to do a play with um like 200 people in the audience and we did it in and we did it was this beautiful very collaborative odd alchemy of of people coming together in the most bizarre way in that like you know oh there's this actor in town there were three actors from perth that were here i'm here and then the director this guy who used to run wapa which is the west australian academy of performing arts um happened to be in town he was meant to be in ireland directing a play and he was stuck here because his sons are here so he was able to direct it and then we it sort of was this very collaborative amazing thing where we did it partic- particularly like a, we did a thrust stage so mm. we could have the audience facing each other and see each other and particularly coming out of COVID. It was really cool. So not only was everybody sitting right next to each other, but that they could face each other too um, and see each other. And, and it was a very intimate um, space and uh, it's really pretty epic, really profound. I can only imagine just hearing about it makes me both long for the theater and 
really wish I had had a chance to see it. Yeah, I well, I'm hoping we were gonna we were gonna shoot it, but we had such a short, tight run, and it gratefully we sold out, which was also really cool. Um, but we didn't want to try, and we only ran it for like three and a half weeks. We didn't want to try to then do cameras and mics during that time. So, but there's this thing called the Perth Festival here, which is usually an international theater festival. Um, but it's more obviously limited this year. I don't even know what is happening, but um, we might be putting it on again in that. And, and if that's the case, we'll definitely shoot it. Um, so that the world, cause we really did have that intention too. It's like, oh, I'd love for you to see it for my brother to see it for, you know, my friends and family peers to see it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. The theater, the power of the theater. I know that you love to return to the theater despite doing so much film and television. And you're, you're like a legit straight up actor. What, what, what draws you to the theater? Do you think? Well, we got to, to chance to do plays together. We did. So, I mean, I, hopefully we get to do that again. Yeah. Um, it's still my favorite medium. It's still, and particularly now in, um, in the way the industry has changed where you just don't get any chance to have a process in film and television. Right. It's like more and more, even if it's a streaming show where it's, you think, Oh, it's more creatively, um, nurturing or you know it's just it, everything shoots so fast and you usually just get a couple takes and you move on and there's not a lot of process so what i find is i have to come completely prepared and have my own process either with an acting coach or um you know everything is pretty much done before you get there right. and you kind of got to be ready to nail it and there, there's just very little rehearsal so theater is still the only, like the only medium where I find I can have a real process with, with a collaborative process and, um, and explore and keep exploring and keep discovering and keep making changes and, um, and, and also try things and fail and have that, um, you know, or just have the, that experience of sculpting something or finding it. Right. You know, yeah. and, and that's just very rare now in, I think, in, in, in like television and film, you know, and even if you see things that are amazing, like I personally loved Queen's Gambit along with probably the rest of the planet Yes, that, <laughs> that you're great. like, I have no idea how it was for that actress. You know, it may have been that she got just a couple of takes and, and so, and maybe that was like the most satisfying role for her to play or, I think of that girl, is it Sophie Comer, who did the... She was wonderful. She's just so amazing. Oh like these God. incredible actresses and and actors that like, but I don't know, for me, there's just something about, you know, we did this play, it was 85 minutes straight through and you just take a ride. And for, I was, this was a particular role that I did in the other place was you're on stage the whole time, on the whole time and and there's nothing like it and having that that again that the energy of a different audience every night and and playing with a group of actors that were still willing to 
it was just four of us and it was a very simple set and um a beautiful design and but very stark and you know and 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 kind of story theater too and it was just beautiful like and all of us were committed to like oh we get to let's have fun and and find new things tonight and listen to each other Mm. and 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 so it was a very i will say it's not always that way right i mean you know just bad theater is sort of like the most heartbreaking yeah (laughs) yeah it's really awful i think for everyone involved when it's bad but when it's good when it sings it really is like nothing else and we had one of those beautiful experiences with this play and uh and with a cast with you know i wouldn't say no ego but just that willingness to sort of take that jacket off and and lean in and listen and and keep exploring and a, and a director that was just profound that just sort of held the space for us and um sculpted he was like a sculptor that's how i describe it like just sort of it's and he's you know a man that uh, chris edmund i should say he's uh is incredible i work with him any day of the week and, and uh he had worked with mike lee and and was just had this incredible um energy about him where you're like what do you what is what do you think this is going to be? It's like, I don't know. Let's, mm-hmm. let's see. <laughs> but held a really safe space. I, and I was like, what? You don't know? Like, and at first I was like, wait, I hope you're not afraid to direct me or like, you know, like, please like, and it, but it was just giving us this freedom and the most, I think it's also like, he's, um, I don't think he'd mind me saying like he's 70. So to work with someone who's an expert in their field is really also, and I've gotten a couple of, we've gotten to work, I feel like with, you know, Shira and like, you just like, you get to work with certain people that are so good and so incredible that you just can't help but be grow and learn and be, be a better actor. And yeah, it's so. I love that when somebody's willing to say, I don't know, let's find out together. Yeah. We just had Shira. Uh, I just did a one-on-one with Shira for this. Did you? Yeah. It, uh, it just came out. I think, today this afternoon or whenever yeah today is uh, tuesday so yeah um yeah. yeah we were we were talking a little bit about story theater as well how was the play you did like story theater well there it was um and that's the thing is i an homage to the piven theater workshop which is so story theater in you know, theater games and improv based. But this was, so I, you would go in and out of, I would direct, address the audience and narrate. Right. And then you'd go into scenes. Ah. And then different people would pull out and, and do their own narrative a little bit. Like there was actually only two, but it was like I would go from direct address to the audience opening it and then go into a scene and then go to a different um, place, just all with narrative. And of course there was, you know, lights and sound and slides and, but a very minimal set. Mm-hmm. Um, it was this, it was a jetty that she had built because it was the, the play goes in and out of Cape Cod and ta- it's all about time and fluidity and memory. And, and so, but then it's also a conference and, you know, the Virgin Islands on, you know, pharma conference where I'm giving a presentation. So you would go in and out of 
talking, you know, direct address to the audience and, and narrating and then into scenes. Mm-hmm. And then, in, so there were, it was, I really want you to see it. Hopefully we'll it shoot sounds, it. sounds um, hypnotic. I love using narrative in improv, especially. Um, yeah. We, we were talking a lot about the days, the Burr Manhattan days. And you and I met in a Maria, I can't remember if it was the Kurt Vonnegut play or the Fornage yeah. play. It was the Vonnegut. No, we met in the Kurt Vonnegut. We met in the Vonnegut. I met you for when I first moved to Chicago because you were friends with Drew. Right. Drew and Ansis. Drew and I were doing the play, Drew Ansis, and then we were we were dating. Oh, my God. It was so crazy. I, was, I had moved from Tucson, Arizona right. <laughs> to Chicago via Oxford, Mississippi, where I'd done Summerstock. And so we – yeah, so the, I was living with Bill Morey and Chris. Yeah, may he rest Before I got my apartment, and Drew is in the same building, remember? And yeah. his brother, Darren. I think they all live together. And then I – and and then we did that Kurt Vonnegut play at Stage Left, the only play Kurt Vonnegut wrote, Happy Birthday, Wanda June. That's right. And, um, and that's where we met. And, and I remember Kurt Vonnegut actually came to see the play. Yeah, I do too. Because he lived in Indiana. Oh, my God, it was like a dream because yeah. I loved – I loved his writing. Yeah. Do you remember meeting him after the show? I do. I do. What was your experience with him? That I don't remember except being like completely blown away. So I don't remember. I remember thinking, feeling, and I've only felt this way a few times, maybe twice, but feeling like this person's from another planet. Really? He felt otherworldly to me and he took my cigarettes my Chesterfields that I smoked as the character. He just took them and started smoking them and then put the pack in his pocket. <laughs> he did? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, like, so cool. Yeah, I, I guess I guess a part of me was like, Fine, I got to buy some cigarettes now. Yeah, you're like, damn it, Kurt Vonnegut, you have Mr. more money than me, and now I have to buy new smokes. It's so, but I remember being with his writing specifically, he was the first person I had read as a young woman that wrote and played with time. Yeah. And he'd write past, present, and future. And he made me feel sane because I would suffer, like I call them still to this day, like wormholes, like I go down a wormhole. Mm -hmm. And it's usually triggered by triggered i hate that fucking verb but whatever trauma or what have you um but i remember i couldn't even articulate it back then this was you know in the late 80s and early 90s right but i only knew that i identified with his writing and the way he told stories and his struggles and his narrative and his the way he um explained it and i felt seen and and understood do you know there's certain that's what art does for you i mean i remember bob dylan listening to the bootleg series and the ode to Woody Guthrie yeah. and thinking, Oh, I feel understood by this person. He sees the world in the way I see it, or I feel understood. And, but it was a great comfort because moving to Chicago as wonderful as it was, I remember it was, it was scary for me. And I would have, it was the first time I started having panic attacks. I remember I would get so overwhelmed. Sometimes I, I remember I had like a, I thought I had something stuck in my throat and I went to the doctor. I was like, I think I have a, th- a piece of food stuck in my throat. And he's like, no, you're just, your throat's constricting. You're having an anxiety attack. I was like, oh, okay. But so these, these, uh, I remember these, you know, these seminal 
so Kurt Vonnegut was one of those people that really, uh, yeah, it was a great source of comfort and I just love him. It was so cool. But I'm glad you have a more visceral memory. I don't. I just remember being like, oh, my God, he's here. He came. I know. I, during the show, he, had, he covered his face with his trench coat. Do you remember that? And he. No. Yeah. He, and people told me afterwards so nobody could know when he was laughing. The show, I remember that night, it was packed. And he was sitting, I guess Bill had managed to put him right in the middle. And I don't think anybody was watching the show. Everybody was watching Kurt Vonnegut. What a what a what a what a coup to get him to actually show up to that show. That's what I mean, right? Isn't that kind of epic? Yeah. In retrospect, thinking about it right now, I'm like, how did that happen? I I still tell that story. I brag about it. I'm like, yeah, Kurt and Kurt Vonnegut came to see the play. Yeah. Like what the fuck? And he stayed. Yeah, and he stayed. And this was a little black box theater in Chicago, Illinois. Stage, Stage left, left theater was, yeah. it was tiny. This was, but that's part of the beauty of Chicago theater. Oh, yeah. It was real storefront theaters mm-hmm. and basement theaters. And, you know, I remember doing, what was the name of the improv I used to do with Tracy Letts and Mike Shannon and Paul Dillon? Bang, bang. Wasn't Kevin Scott part of that group? Yeah. So, yeah, and I only did it for a little bit with those guys. But I remember doing, like, I'm like, oh, we're in a basement cafe in, like, Rogers Park or something. It was just so crazy. But that's, like, the beauty of Chicago theater. Yeah, bang, bang. That was, y'all were doing bang, bang while I was studying with Dell and Sharna. Did you ever work with them? Oh, yes, I did at, at Improv Olympic. Second City, right. I tried to do one. I was too intimidated. I couldn't do it. I couldn't handle the boys' club. I didn't feel like I fit in there. Yeah. I just couldn't. And I didn't think, still to this day, I'm just not as great of an improviser as you guys. No. Um, I was more, I think part of my flaws were tell, storytelling. I would start telling stories. But that until Pivot Theater Workshop and also IO and Annoyance, I did mixed classes. And I, uh, or, and like, like, like Deborah, um, Deborah, Susan Messing's classes. Yeah. And like, come on. That was like the best. Yeah. I, my first just... teacher was Mick and he was so freeing. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was, and that's how my experience was at Piven with Bird. It was, um, because I remember I tried to take class at Center Theater with Dan Lamort and I couldn't do it because it was like a really intense, shaming experience. Yeah, it's I like, was at terrible. Center Theater. I don't believe anything you're saying. <laughs> like, get off stage, come back and believe what you're saying. I was like, oh. He was hardcore like, I was, abusive. I worked with that guy abusive, for years. I, yeah, you loved it. It's like, oh, I got to go. Pat loves it, and you're such a great actor. I got to go check it out. Yeah. And um, I couldn't I couldn't handle it. I remember, But I remember I was too young to, like, well, finally I gave myself the permission of, like, well, this doesn't feel good, and I can't go through this. <laughs> so good I'm going to go you. try to find somebody else. Yeah. Um, but they're definitely with those feelings still. Like, I guess I'm too much of a pussy, or I should be able to handle this. I, mean, I guess, no. you know, but, you know. That whole approach um, to the work, I believe, has changed. I mean, when I get the opportunity to teach acting, I'm very conscious of, like, I don't want to be that kind of teacher. Like, how does that help anybody? I don't know. Uh, I know Ian Roberts also left center theater and so did adam 
Adam left dance class. So you're. you're I think company. I remember hearing that later, and I felt heartened. I was like, ah, okay. So I wasn't like a failure, but I do remember. I, you know, you remember who who grows you. It's like, and it's so funny. The principle of improv and yes ending, and it, and I think that it can sometimes be misconstrued. Like, oh, you're not, but you have to be able to take negative feedback or criticism or something, or to grow and change. And that's that's true, but it doesn't have to be abusive and there's it's it's just an approach like i still remember my elementary school teachers who encouraged me and who who grow you with nurturing and encouragement as opposed to shaming or cutting you down or i don't i've had enough of feeling badly or people you know been made to feel badly or or bullying or whatever as a young person that i just didn't need any any more of that or i couldn't handle it and i i just it was such a godsend when you find a teacher yeah. and an improv that says that helps you take off your, instead of like throwing rocks at you to, to get your armor off, if you will. Cause we all have habits and patterns and armor that, that does cover up our talent, you know, right. or to protect, but it's there to protect us. Right. But if you have someone who's like gently, like removing these layers, I remember burn Pitt and Shear's dad, Jeremy's dad saying to me, He's curiously, as we were doing some scene work, like there's some invisible layer between you and us. And I'm trying to figure out how to get through it or let you help you drop it. And it was such a, again, it wasn't, he didn't know, he didn't have the answer. He was just an observation. And I so appreciated it. And I didn't know either. I was like, hmm, how do I, you know. And it wasn't like he still didn't give me notes, like you've got tension in your mouth or that, you know, or whatever, or you're dropping off subjects at the end or whatever. It was just more this creative exploration. It was like an expedition that we were, we were on together to try to excavate the true, true self and, and, and meaning of the scene. And you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's for me, it was Dan Lamore said one thing to me and he said, that's an actor. I, I said maybe one line of dialogue in a scene at his class, like the first day, and it gave me that feeling of confidence. Like, confidence. And it's yeah. that impact. And then I put up with like two years of just straight up abuse. But it was that one thing I clung to was that feeling of now. Then I wanted to please. I was 19, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Getting that back. It's so funny how that and thank God that like we can grow and change and evolve. I I will say like it's such a great thing now to be 53 and having been doing this for so long and since I was a kid acting, but really the gift of like, Oh, now I can really be of service. That's been one of the big things of, and one of the blessings of um, having been able to do a bunch of TV work and film and, and then theater still, but still, and, and one of the reasons that Linda Lowy who cast Grey's Anatomy and Friday night lights and all sorts of other shows, she's amazing. And she's a big, she's married to Jeff Perry who's from Chicago from Steppenwolf. Oh yeah. And, She's a big fan of Chicago actors and would always try to hire them um, because there is a work ethic that's different 
there is a yes and there's a group theater mentality right and there is a reverence for the story mm. and and like like no other she would say and and there's no showcasing do, do you know what i mean it wasn't like there was just a real service to the piece and an ability in that improv and the yes and and acknowledging the common whatever's happening in a in in when you're doing TV and film, which is constantly changing and constant rewrites and, oh, the scene was written for the bedroom and now it's in the kitchen. And the ability to be like, okay, this is happening as opposed to, no, this is not what it was supposed to be. <laughs> you know, right. it's, it, it's, um, but it's, it's, it's such a gift. And I really learned that. In fact, I would say, honestly, for me, the best training I had came from Chicago both in Pivot Theater Workshop, Annoyance Theater, Improv Olympic, um, and then even doing the Commedia workshops that I did with New Crime. They were all Chicago. So funny. Yeah, because And they, they all freed me up in ways that were just... And I think what you said, even taking about Dan Lamort, like that that's an act. You hold on. I think that's the thing in any scenario that you hold on to nuggets of whatever the experience was, there's always a piece of, there's always growth and there's always truth there. Like I remember working with Rich Maxwell in mm. New York doing, Incredible. Um, Rich Maxwell who wrote, I mean, these plays, how would you describe those plays? He's, Oh my God. I mean, he's, I don't even know how to describe it except he's a bona fide genius. Absolutely. And, he, he had started Cook County Theater Company in Chicago, and then he, is it, what is his new theater company in New York? I don't know. It's been around for years, but I did flight courier service with him, but he did Clowns Plus Wrestlers, and he worked with Kate Gleason a lot and Gary Wilms right. and um, Brian, Brian, what's his, I can't remember his last name, but he's so great. And he worked with actors or people that aren't actors. Yeah. He worked, that's what he really started moving towards more and more were and and putting them together like civilians and actors right because they didn't have bad habits and they could just say stuff but one of the things he the gifts he gave me i remember i was doing a monologue in flight courier service and he said to have this specificity and intensity and urgency but calmness and stillness because i'm a person who i'd like to move and like and so he sort of helped me discipline my physical performance by when I was doing this monologue, he said, pretend you're doing it like you have an ear prompter, like a newscaster in your ear, and you're getting the information from someone else, and you're telling it to us as simply as you can, but with an urgency. And it was like the most bizarre but somehow effective tool wow. for this stillness but urgency and this kind of you know, because it's like he has these characters in the show where they just tell you about themselves, where they're from, you know, or what they're about or whatever. Are these just like it feels like stream of consciousness in a way, but not. It's like more profound than that. Right. But it was like, I'll never forget that. Similarly, in Burn Manhattan with Shira. I mean, right. I mean, there's certain. Do you have like what do you think about like when you obviously worked with Shira? I think maybe even more than me at this point with Burn and like what and recently with the guys before COVID, right? You guys were work working together again, you and Matt. Oh, yeah. Matt, Jay, and Kev, yeah. And Kev. Shira has, you know, I would just talk to her, and she's 
uh, I, we, I still work with her. I, I meet with her. She's helping me turn Sinister Kid into uh, like a, 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 a screenplay. And she's so, she allows me to go. She's so encouraging. She is so, she has a way of getting in my head where I also want to please her, but I also feel like I can completely be myself with her. I don't know what it is about her especially, even more so now. I was so, for such a long period of time, I, I was resistant to her type of work, and now I'm just completely open to it. And we, as Centralia, meet with her once a week, and we do these writing workshops with her. And they're, it's all about improvisational writing and mm-hmm. using the states uh, and, and all the stuff that she brought to the stage is now being being used as, as writing tools. And it's great. And her energy, like, she's just tremendous. She's tremendous. Are you able to pull on any of your improv? I mean, besides being able to have like a uh, an organic flow on sets, are, have you been on any sets uh, that felt more improvisational than others? Like I've heard Adam's sets are very sort of improv friendly. What about your experience? Yeah, I mean, with Adam, definitely. Like when I worked with him, like we did the, Bad Judge together, the pilot, that was definitely, and also, yeah, that was just a very, with comedy, it's so critical to be able to improvise, to let people, because it's, comedy is such a genie in a bottle and alchemy and like that moment to moment. So even, and that's the sign of, I was just doing a podcast with a friend of mine, a comedy writer, Danny Zucker, who's written on Modern Family for years and years, and we had done a show together. And he was saying, though, like, it's just that it's not even about the joke being good or the scenario, or the setup being good or not. It's like you can do it. It can work once and then you're just like or twice or then you're like, OK, let's change it up. Like because it's energy, it's a, that unnameable thing that so to have freedom and the ability to improvise in comedy is, I think, critical. Yeah. Like whatever it is um, in in um, then there's stuff that. I think that the improvising or it's more subtle, like in drama or in writing, that's really tight that you just, you're improvising in the moment, like just keeping, I would just call that keeping it real and honest and being so kind of prepared that I can be loose. Yes. And, and open to anything. And so like in the play that I just did, you know, you're just constantly aware of how quickly our mind as our, if, as instruments, our voice, our voice and our body is our instrument, Mm -hmm. how quickly our brains and body and voice and want to uh, imprint and create neural pathways and tonal inflections and patterns. Like that's what the body wants to do mm-hmm. and voice and brain. Okay. We know these lines. We know the scene. We know the blocking. Now I know this is how I will do it. Right. And so to keep shaking that off literally figuratively and constantly questioning and going, Oh, I, 
could be more present in this moment. Oh, I got stuck in a tonal inflection that I did yesterday. That's not real. Yeah. Like the challenge and the courageous thing is to go and to keep it and, and to have, and then to have other actors that are in agreement with that. I mean, in this play, we had such a safe, incredible experience of rehearsal. Um, one of the actors, she's just amazing and delightful. Her name's Lucy Kate Westbrook, who's here from Perth, but had been in LA and came back during um, COVID. She, she, she was in it and one of she played three different characters and one of them, it was collectively, we're like, it doesn't feel right. There's something that's not, it's not working. And collectively, like two days before we started previews, we just completely turned it around. We're like, do this. I'm like, I feel like you're stuck with this, these choices and this physicality because you've, you know, you're wearing this costume. The costume has already been, you know, made or, or bought, whatever. She was wearing these shoes and it was like this very sort of uptight doctor interviewer, you know, yeah. as like, I feel like you're like locked in to this whole tight, like I am a doctor and I'm interviewing you as opposed to like, get those, like put on sweats, go barefoot or put on your Crocs and a hoodie, mess up your hair. Let's try You know what I mean? And like, try something completely different, mm -hmm. throw it away, throw it all away. And she found it. She found something so much more real and interesting and organic and mm. present. And like that, that never happened. And when do you fucking get to do that? But you have to have a group of people that are all in agreement. Like, yeah, we're open to that. And yet meaning a costume designer that's not going to go, are you fucking kidding me? I already bought that shit, you know, mm -hmm. or made that. And a director that's like, yes, I don't have an, like, cause we really did find it as a collective. She right. was like, yeah, I don't have it yet. I don't know who this character is. And I'm like, I feel like you're about like, and I mean, we were literally like, we just don't, you don't really do that. You know, actors don't give other actors notes, you know? but I was like, are you open to feedback? Yes. Okay, great. I think you're getting caught up in this, you know, and that's, but that's also part of like the gift of having done it for a long time that you can, you can work collectively and there's no, I don't know. Does that make sense? Like you can yeah. go, okay. And also give back and be of service. And most of the shows that I'm on now, I'm working with much younger people right? and they're much, some of whom have been in the industry, but most of them don't have a lot of experience and you can give the gift of a safe space. Mm. And because they also come in like, Oh my God, I want to get it right. You know? And, right. but to be able to go, Hey, you can play and yeah, and it's all changed, but to calm them down or make them feel free and, you know, yeah. um, and also the gift of improv is fucking yes ending whatever is in front of you. So if you've got an actor that's making some very wooden choices on a you're like, all right, I'm gonna go with this and really fucking Right. <laughs> like I'm gonna just take in what this person's I in my opinion is very like not like is, like made some real choices that are don't seem very real, but okay. And also, by the way, I've been humbled by that because I thought to myself, wow. This this guy is like really soap opera McGee or like or this is really wooden and stiff. And then you see it on film, it actually looks really good. You're like, oh, okay. I guess my experience was that it was kind of phony, but in reality, I don't know anything. <laughs> like, okay, this is in editing, it looks great, you know? What and so it's always like go with what this person and even if my expression is like, wow. Like just taking it in and right. 
as opposed to, well, this is what I thought the scene was going to, you know, whatever. It's just that ability to be as fluid and open as possible. And I think, like I said, the body and mind and voice wants to know. I think just innately, that's our, it's not just fight or flight. That's just, we're, we're smart. We're conscious. So our brains want to go, oh, I know this now. And so to constantly be shaking that and going, no, you don't know. So we have another chance to not know tonight at seven o'clock, you know, or in a matinee at three, you know? And I think the the thing that gets in the way of that always happening is always the same thing. Fear, 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 fear. You know, I want to be able yeah. to control that. Yeah. I got this laugh last night in this spot. Right. And because I behaved this way and I inflected this mm. way and to really allow yourself to, you know, just be in the moment is terrifying for a lot. I know it, it, you know, it's, it's always a struggle. And yes, of course, the more experience you have, the more relaxed you get. Um, But everything you're talking about is why I love getting to do theater, that ensemble, especially when you get that ensemble, that's in total agreement that we are going to be in discovery together. No matter what that's that is critical and i think that that's really hard to come by in theater i think that's why people form ensembles why you've got centralia why you or the pit or why you know ucb happens why annoyance happens why you know second city it's like this is this is we are going to be in agreement this company is going to be in agreement of how we work together because it is harder and you see it all the time in new york and and chicago or bigger theaters and broadway where everybody's in their own play yeah and it could be a good play but they're kind of in their own play on stage together and that's a bummer and i remember feeling just generally and it's not to disparage new york theater because i love theaters theater and it's there's good and bad everywhere but i remember as a uh, generally, when I moved from Chicago to New York, there it, it wasn't that way. Mm. Um, it wasn't this, like Chicago had such that collective. It just because it comes, I believe, from improv and group theater. I do too. You know? Yeah, I I, I agree with you hundred percent. Everything you said um, describes everything I love about acting, Kate. Uh, that's an hour. I want to. I know you're busy. I want to thank you so much for doing this. And um, oh, I love you, bud. I miss you so much. I'm so happy to do it. I could talk for another hour. I know because I just love it. But I will say, I will say one thing is that that's why I have enjoyed ensembles, yeah, more than uh, like even when it came to Grey's Anatomy, I enjoyed being part of as opposed to the star of always. And I used to think, oh, is that a problem? Do I not have healthy entitlement or something? Like, what's wrong? Am I hiding? It's not that. I just, what I actually enjoy, maybe it's because where I came from as a kid, maybe, it, who knows, maybe it's 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 my experience in Chicago and improv and group theater, but I always love being part of a collective and an ensemble. It made me feel there's nothing like it. Yeah. It makes, and I think that that's what we, that's what I like to see in the world is a collective. That's what I like to experience in my art is a collaboration. And fear is the the enemy of that. 
you know, of, you know, whether it's like this theater company can't like that theater company because there's not enough, you know, like, ah, you know, so I just feel very grateful that I've had that experience. I'm so glad you just had it with the play you just did. I'm just, it just, uh, it's great. I mean, what a, what Isn't a that thing. crazy? What a godsend. It was such an, an odd happening, but it was perfect. Yeah. All right. Okay, buddy. Love you. I love you too. I'll talk to you. All right. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. That was Centralia's Pat McCartney one-on-one with Kate Walsh. We certainly appreciate Kate taking time away from eating Vegemite and chasing wallabies whatever else she's doing down there in Perth, Western Australia. And we appreciate you taking the time to listen to the Centralia Improvisational Podcast. If you want to support this podcast directly, you can do so on our page on anchor.fm. You can follow us on Instagram, the Twitters, the Facebooks, and you can ask us questions. Give us answers. Let us know what it's all about, what's on your mind, what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of by emailing us directly at centraliaimprov at gmail.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on the Centralia Improvisational Podcast. <laughs>